Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. We're in a series talking about our core values. Not only are these the core values of our church family, I think these are core values that we should each espouse to in our personal life. For example, we talked the first weekend out about the significance of faith, how faith is foundational, and it should be foundational to all that we, to all that we do, especially as a church. We ought to base everything we do on a proper, practical understanding of God's Word. And we should be able to square our teaching, and we should be able to square all that we do with what God's Word says. Someone as well said, if God said it, that should settle it. And I land on that. I honestly agree with that. You don't wanna take the word of a pastor or some teacher somewhere if it contradicts or conflicts with what God's word has said. Because you can't trust the integrity of some people that you hear who are, are teaching or speaking. I've told you before concerning me, I don't believe everything I've ever said. So I sure wouldn't lay my dying head and pillow my eternal soul on something some pastor said. I would rely on what does God's word have to say. In fact, Martin Luther said, uh, feelings come, feelings go. Feelings can be deceiving, but my warrant is the word of God and not else is worth believing. So the first value is our faith. The second value we talked about last weekend we talked about the value of authenticity, being the genuine article, being the real person. You want these values if you're seeking out a relationship with someone, as we said last week. You want to get to know them. You want to know who they really are. The great Maya Angelou said, um, uh, when people tell you who they are, believe them. And there's a lot of truth in that. And so if you're looking for authenticity, you need to be with someone long enough to try to have some discernment on them. Am I getting the real deal? Is this the genuine article? Am I dating the person or am I dating their agent? <laughs> and so you wanna make sure authenticity is a part of your core. And this weekend, I wanna to talk to you about another important value. That is the value of integrity. The significance of integrity how important integrity is. Being able to trust the relationship you're in, being able to trust uh, the business partnership you're in, being able to trust the church fellowship you're in, the significance and the importance of integrity. When you go to the grocery store, have you noticed the scale that's there and you weigh your fruits or vegetables or you go back to buy some meat and maybe you have, you pick up a steak or some fish or chicken and they always weigh it on the scale. Well, if you'll observe the scales and next time you're in there, look at those scales closely, you'll find a little green stamp. And the little green stamp says U.S. Division of Weights and Measures, meaning that there is a governmental agency whose job it is to uh, make certain that when you go to the grocery store and buy a gallon of milk, you get a gallon of milk. Uh, it's on the gas pump. When you go, you get a gallon of gas, you're getting a gallon of gas, why? Because the integrity of the business is significant for the trust of the consumer. So we recognize that as a nation, and I'm saying we ought to recognize that as a church, we ought to recognize that as business people, we ought to recognize that as people in relationships with one another, that our integrity is so significant. 
Um, in fact, I believe so. Let me give you some Southern theology. Are you ready for some Southern theology? Here it is. A person with integrity, if they tell you a rooster dip snuff, you should be able to look under its wing for a can of skull. You like that? That's some deep stuff right there. I tell you, stay with me. I'll give you some deep stuff. The reality of it is people with integrity, here's another challenge to integrity. Uh, have you found it to be true that a person uh, who has talent and a person who has a certain level of people skills can ascend to a level in their career that sometimes their character cannot maintain them there? They can reach a certain level of success. They do really well. Their talent and their ability gets them there, but their character can't keep them there. So there's something to be said for talent. There's something to be said for ability. But if you're going to have a sustaining career, if you're going to have a sustaining relationship, if a church is going to have a sustaining ministry, integrity is so important. In fact, the word integrity, it's an interesting word. Uh, it's actually a, a mathematical word. Uh, we get the word integer from the word integrity. And all the kids in the room know what an integer is. It's a whole number, a whole number, meaning nothing added to it, nothing taken from it. Uh, there's no duplicity and there's no hypocrisy. It is what it is. It, it's not a fraction, it's a whole number. Uh, people who are not wholesome can be fractions and fractions can create factions, <laughs> and you never know what you're getting when you get them. Sometimes they're genuine, authentic. Sometimes they can talk the talk and they, they speak of faith and you're moved by that. Uh, sometimes they're very uh, wholesome in the sense that you sense integrity in their talk and in their walk, but after you get to know them a little while, you, you see they're not consistent, they're, they're, they're duplicitous. Or you find out that they're faking it, they're kind of hypocritical. And so when I speak of integrity, I'm speaking of something that we should all aspire to and we all should desire in our personal life. In fact, one of the great beatitudes that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter five, verse eight, is the beatitude that I base this talk on. And that is this idea that Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. The idea that when you take that as a whole, what he's teaching is there is something to be said of a person with integrity, the pureness of heart. Uh, you, you can trust them, they're wholesome, um, uh, they're truthful, they're honest, they're a person with, with integrity. So the first thing I would have you consider as we talk about the value of integrity is I would have you consider the significance of what I'm calling the principle of integrity. How that integrity ought to be a, an important part of our daily life. People without integrity, I said, can become a fraction that can become a faction and they can create more problems than they solve. Uh, one of the things that we talk about on our staff and we've talked about it since we started the church are three important values that we embrace as a staff and when we bring people on, one is character. Uh, out beside character, you could put the word integrity. We want people who are a part of our leadership team here to have integrity, to have character. Again, you wanna look under the wing for the can of snuff, if that's where they say it is. You're looking for, I'm working that joke. If you really, you're looking for character, you're looking for integrity. If they don't have it, they don't need to be in leadership. Uh, the second word uh, is the word competency. Character, competence. They need to be able to do the job. 
Now, sometimes when you have a good person that isn't doing what you think they should, it's one of two reasons. Either they don't know what you really want them to do, you think you've communicated to, to them and you haven't, so they really don't know what to do, or they don't know how to do what you want them to do. And what you find when you manage people or as you lead an organization, you find this, people do not do what you expect, they'll do what you inspect. So you have to follow up to to maintain integrity within an organization. So with us, we talk about the significance of character, we talk about the significance of competency, you have to be able to do your job. The third thing is just as valuable as the other two, we talk about chemistry. Chemistry, you have to play nice. You have to get along with your coworkers. I, I've had so many people who had great ability. Um, they even had integrity. You trusted them, but they just couldn't get along with anybody. I had a guy, I'm, I'm not going to date this. Some of you will figure out who I'm talking about. <laughs> I had a guy at the grocery store. That's as close as I'm going to get. I liked him. He had good character. He was very competent in what he did. And I finally got to the point, we got to that tipping point where I had to pull him in. And I had to say, man, you've got a gift. Honestly, I've never seen anyone with this gift that you have. I can't quite quantify what the gift is, but but here it is. You can walk through the lobby of the church and make everybody mad without saying a word. It's a gift. You've got a skill set. It's amazing. I've never seen anybody like you. People don't like you. (laughs) And and he said, and you know what he told me? It's so funny. He, He said, my wife tells me that all the time. I want to say, Biff, buy a vowel and figure this out. (laughs) I mean, it's just, well, he he, he didn't stay around. You know, sometimes you can't fix things. Uh, Sometimes you can't fix people. You work with them. I mean, my strategy has always been, first of all, you give them a shot. You give them a shot. And if that doesn't work, you give them a shot. (laughs) There's different ways, but you got some. And let me give you a biblical principle. Proverbs 26, 20. Without wood, a fire goes out. And without gossip a quarrel dies down. When you find you've got someone on your team or somebody in your organization that they just constantly create chaos, and they're con- you know, sometimes you have to remove the wood from the fire. You have to remove the person from the position or the fire won't go out. It ain't gonna fix itself. Here's another proverb, Proverb 22:10. Throw out the contentious one and fightings and quarrels and insults will disappear. <laughs> Get rid of the problem person. Some people I've had to come to the conclusion, I can't, I can't fix them. I try, I go the second mile. Part of being in ministry is you have a natural love and a heart for people. You want to fix them. And I've honestly, and I don't know if you've seen this in your business, but you get to a point where you realize I can't fix them. In fact, I had a pastor friend tell me, he said, man, in every organization, you have at least seven crazy people. At least seven. Now think about your business, think about your job, at least seven. He said, here's what you'll do. You'll go day and night trying to fix them and get the crazy out of them. You'll work hard, I can fix this crazy. This is some crazy, I can fix this crazy. And he said, what they will end up doing is they will kill you. You'll die. You'll get to heaven and God will come and put his arm around you and say, look son, you see those seven people down there? They're as crazy as they were the day you met them. They're still crazy. I can't do anything with them either. What's my point? My point is there comes a time when helping someone else begins to hurt you, you've got to remove the wood and you've got to remove the contentious person or you're not going to have chemistry. So you want good chemistry, you want good competency, you want character. 
It is so important. But with an organization, you're constantly having to tweak it. You're constantly having to work on it. You're try- constantly trying to have to fix it because, listen, God is in the business of building. He's a builder. The devil is in the business of blasting. He's a destroyer. So anything God is at work building, the enemy is going to be at work trying to destroy. It's never done. It's like Jenga. You think you've got it fixed and you pull this part of the whole thing falls down. Here we go again. Start over. Well, that's the frustrating thing about leading an organization, leading a family, leading a business, is you're constantly going to have to be dealing with this area of integrity or the lack thereof. And if you don't deal with it, problems, as I said, will not tend to fix themselves. A great proverb, Proverbs 25, 19, to have confidence in an unfaithful person in the time of trouble. Here's what he said it's like. It's like having a, a, a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. When you lean in an organization on someone who has no character, he's saying, it's like having a broken tooth trying to eat with a broken tooth or trying to walk around on a broken ankle. He's saying it's a painful experience. It's just simply not going to work. So time and time, guys, I could give you so many more scriptures that just underscores the importance of this principle of integrity. Now I hear people from time to time say, well, I think integrity is rooted in character, which is rooted in your genetics. Um, For example, I hear social scientists say, if a person is raised in a good family, where mom, dad, mom and dad have values and they instill those values and morals into their children, typically you see that replicated. Children tend to learn uh, what they live. And, And I think there's an argument for that. I think that's typically true, that you can instill values and as parents we wanna see values in our children and grandchildren, and conversely, You see some kids who struggle because they didn't have those kinds of homes. But if you land on the argument that it's all genetics and there's nothing you can do about it, then you basically consign someone to a life of no integrity, a life of no character based upon their, you know, their ancestors. And I don't know that biblically I can land there. And here's why. Because when you think about where we all came from, when you look at our ancestors in the Bible, every one of us We are the children of a crooked farmer named Adam and a drunk sailor named Noah. Think about it. So I'm saying if our genetics drive our ability to be people of integrity and it's all rooted in that and there's nothing you can do about it and you surrender to that fatalistic point of view that you can't change your character or your integrity, then it just is what it is. You can't help people and nobody can ever change. But here's what's so powerful about being a Christian and understanding how this works. In Titus, the book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 5, the Bible describes a relationship with Jesus Christ with this word, regeneration. Regeneration. Now think about the genetic predisposition that we have, that we all have a genetic predisposition toward dishonesty, toward sin. David said, in sin, my mother conceived me. We all have this old sinful nature. But when Jesus comes into your life, when you receive him as Savior and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, one of the ways the Bible uses to describe that relationship is regeneration. Think about it this way. You've been regened. Regened. You've got a, that ancestry means everything that followed before will come after. Apple trees will produce apple trees and oranges trees produce orange trees and bad parents produce bad kids and there's nothing you can do. It is what it is. It's genetically, it's all in the code. There's nothing you can change about it. But the Bible says when you encounter Jesus Christ, you have an ability to break that chain. 
you have the ability to say crazy stops here. <laughs> in other words, you may have been raised with crazy. You may can relate to crazy in your family tree, but you have the power when you know Jesus to look yourself in the mirror and say, bud, crazy stops with you. You can stop crazy. You can say, I, I had this dysfunction. I was raised with this. I didn't have all this. Go I, I have now the power within me because of the presence of God. I now can change my future that impacts my children. I can be regene, regenerated. I have an ability to rise above that which I came from and be better than those who lived before me. So this principle of integrity is powerful when you wrap your mind around it. It means any of us in the room can aspire to wholesome, healthy living and life, to have that in our relationships and in our business partnerships and in our church fellowship. But we, we, you have to fight for it because it's constantly gonna be three steps forward and two steps back. It gets fixed, but it doesn't stay fixed. That's why David said, search me, O God, know my heart and see if there's anything in me that isn't right and lead me into the way that you would have me go. So it's a constant way of evaluating where we are and how we are, which leads me to my second thought, and that is the place of integrity. Where does integrity really begin? He said, blessed are the pure in heart. Integrity comes from within, it begins from within. In other words, guys, this regeneration, this relationship with Jesus that transforms my life and gives me the power to be a man or a woman of integrity begins from within. For example, in Mark seven, the Bible says, uh, it is not what goes into the person that defiles them, but what comes out of the person. I've told you this before, I don't have a better way to illustrate it, so let me just share it with you again. Have you ever been going down the road, driving, maybe you're on I-35, traffic's bad. Yeah, I know, I didn't mean to bring up a bad subject here. And you need to get on the freeway, and they don't let you on. Uh, or, you're, or, you, or you're in the uh, left lane and you're trying to pass people and you've got the, the guy that's in the perpetual school zone driving in the left lane. And so you finally make your move, and somebody cuts you off. And I mean, you're thinking, well, I'm driving great. I'm a friendly driver, like they tell us. Texas is a friendly, which drives friendly, you know, whatever. And I'm trying to do all that, and they cut you off. And have you caught yourself in a millisecond? Now, you're in church, don't lie. Have you caught yourself either thinking something that wasn't real sanctified or saying something that wasn't real sanctified? You don't have to raise your hand. I had a lady in the other service that went, whoosh. I mean, I couldn't even tell her, don't raise your hand before I had a hand. Well, she almost stood up and shouted. It's like Pentecostal, man. We said, whoa, baby. <laughs> Let me ask you the question. When that happens in that moment and that anger comes out, did that person put that into your heart or did they draw that out of your heart? The, the reality of it is we're, we got a lot of, we have anger issues. <laughs> we got a lot going on in our heart. I mean, and, and when that happens, it triggers us and I mean, it makes us angry because that was really already there. That's why I was, I, I tell you all the time, if, sidebar, if you have issues with road rage or you're upset, or you're a driver that drives angry, please pull the Met Church bumper sticker <laughs> off your car and put a gateway or a fellowship <laughs> sticker. No, they, I love them, they love me, we're all good. Put that on your car. Please. All right, now we're back in business. The point is, we can't always, we can't always control the things that happen to us. 
What we can control is the response. Remember the verse I gave you? David said, search me, O God. Know my heart. Your heart. Know my heart, he said. Well, what is your heart? When you talk about spiritual heart health, what does that even mean? Well, we've talked about this before. You could break down a spiritual heart with three, three components. Your heart, first of all, is your intellect. You need to have a healthy mind, your intellect. That's why you don't come in church and let a pastor think for you. You need to think for yourself. Isaiah says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Salvation and Christian uh, principles are reasonable. You can reason, reason them out. Um, so intellect involves your intellect. You need to be able to think through things. A healthy heart is a heart where your intellect is exercised. Secondly, not only your intellect, but your heart involves your will. Your will, what you do. Everything we do is based on a system of beliefs. You sat down in that chair without looking at specs. I didn't see anybody say, hey, I'm gonna need some specs on this chair. Because you believe the chair would hold you up. Your belief determines your behavior. If you believe certain things, you behave based on what you believe and you put a string of that together, that's really kind of who you become. So when it comes to this matter of my heart, it has to do with what I, what I do. I'm thinking, I'm doing, I'm making a pattern of good things and good behavior and good decisions because it's coming out of a, a good heart. People that make good calls and good decisions typically have a pretty good heart. You can tell by that. You can tell by their, their heart. You, so intellect, will, here's the third one, emotions. Your emotions. Now, I, I've told you our emotions are probably the shallowest part of us. And the reason they're the shallowest part of us is because they're all over the page. Think about how many emotions you've had since you got up this morning. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Good Lord. Uh, good morning, Lord. Good Lord this morning, right? You can have both of those emotions almost at the same time. You can walk in here feeling pretty good. You know, something happened. You don't feel so. Emotions, you're all, you know, you're all. So you want to be careful leaning too heavily into your emotions because that's, again, probably the shallowest part of your existence, but they are important. God made us emotional. I mean, you read the whole book of Psalm and it's the emotions, every emotion you can imagine, happy, sad, bitter, sweet. It's all in the Psalms. I mean, David felt things. And man, one of the things I've understood about grieving and losing someone is that you feel what you feel when you're feeling it. You, you, you just kind of, you, you go, but you, you can't. You can't always judge someone, and when I say judge, I mean evaluate. I don't mean judge in the sense of you know, uh, judging them in that harsh way, but I mean just, you can't always, it was a bad word. You can't always assess someone. I like that word better, don't you? You can't always assess someone on a one-day situation because emotionally, we can have a bad day. I mean, really. I had to put one of my best horses down this last week, and if you would have talked to me on that day, I, you know, I was a little more emotional and a little more sad, you know? So you, you, you have these experiences that don't define you, but they are a part of the, of the journey. You have a bad day. Well, the indicator of a person's heart is not how they may feel on one day, but the propensity of their life, the volume on balance. For example, um, you can tell what's in someone's heart, not only by the things that they do, well, we know that with politics, don't we? Don't listen to what those jokers are telling you. Look at what they're doing, because they'll all lie. So here's the point. I don't mean to go off on that. Here's the point. Here's the point. 
The point is that it's not what a person says, but it's what they do. So sometimes you can tell by what they do. They'll tell you what's in their heart. If they got just a propensity of bad decisions and bad treatment of other people, that's a heart problem. Or by what they say. Uh, my mom was my uh, kindergarten teacher. I Man, I just stand a chance right off the bat. And so back in that day, her generation of teachers didn't read Dr. Spock. I mean, they had a paddle hanging on the door. You know what I'm saying? It was the Board of Education applied to the seat of knowledge, often. And so she was old school, but what she would do is if we acted up in her class, she would draw a circle on the chalkboard and you'd have to go stick your nose in the circle in front of all your classmates. I know, I should be a serial killer or something, right? So she draws a circle, so I stick my nose in the circle and I frequently, I can, I, I can close my eyes and still smell the smell of chalk. So it, it did imprint. But what I would do in my mom's class is I'd take my nose and erase the circle. <laughs> I, I talked about genetics a minute ago, right? So that's where we're at, we're at with that. And then she'd find more creative ways to discipline us. She, she actually one time washed my mouth out with soap. You ever had that experience? I know you've been threatened. She put the soap in my mouth. I, I, I don't I probably said something ugly, I guess. I don't know, or she's just being mean. But she put the soap in my mouth. And what I realized when I got older that the dirt was deeper. <laughs> what was going on in my mouth was an indicator of my heart. The Bible says in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the dirt was a little lower. It was a heart, what's what I'm saying? I'm saying it's a heart issue. Integrity, the, the, the place of integrity is, is seated in the heart. That's why it's important that we have a relationship with God and that's why it's important that this relationship with God is growing. You ever have an apple and you, you see a worm hole in that apple? Um, you know what's interesting about that, what I've discovered is that the worm did not bore its way into the apple. This will freak you out. It actually bored its way out of the apple. The worm was actually in the blossom. And when the apple formed, the worm was already in the apple and eventually that little booger made its way out of that apple. The point is, it was already in the heart. And the problems that affect us is not the things that often come into us, but the things that go out from us. That's why integrity of the heart is important. Here's the closing thought, the promise of integrity. What did he say? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Um, they will see God. In the sense that one day in heaven we'll see God, all his children I know will see him, but that's really not what he's talking about here. Because he's talking about things you and I can actually do to bring about purity of heart. So he's not, he's not promising heaven in this sense. What he's promising is a little heaven on earth. We can have more of Jesus here and in our daily life. By the way, I've shared this with you before, but that idea of purity of heart, did you know the word pure in the Greek is katharos, katharos. Blessed are the katharos. We get the word catheter from that same word. Those of you in the medical profession know the catheter is designed to remove impurities from the body. Your heart needs to have the impurities removed from the heart. If you're going to walk with God and fellowship with him, if you're going to see God in the sense that you have more of his peace, more of his power in your life, you can't hold on to some of the things that can make your heart impure. Bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, um, those things harbor in our heart. And by the way, they come from legitimate experiences. 
I talk to people all the time about trying to forgive something that's happened to them or been in their past, and they almost think that, that I'm suggesting that forgiving people or forgiving things is easy. I'm not suggesting that at all. I, I'm telling you, it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do is to let things go or let people go. You almost have to come to a point where you are absolutely responding to the grace of God in the moment to say, this is affecting me far more than it's affecting them. I gotta let it go for me. And the best thing some of you could do for you to help your heart be in the right place and to be healthy is to let something go or let someone go. The tendency we have is to hold on to people thinking that if I let them go, they get by with it. Now, sometimes you release people because God is just and they don't get by with anything. There's a God in heaven that sees everything. If he sees the sparrow when it falls and he can number the hairs of your head, no one gets by. The wheels of God's justice grind slow, but they grind exceedingly fine. If it's big enough to bother you, it's big enough to concern your heavenly father. And some things that you can't fix, you have to turn over to him and say, God, it's hurting me. I gotta let it go. And you turn, and you, like, sometimes you're gonna have to do that every day. How often do you do it? Jesus said seven times 70, an infinite. I'd say as often as you, as you can, as often as it becomes a problem to you. Do you know a practical way you can tell when you've really forgiven someone? It's when you can see them again in the restaurant and you don't wanna go kill them. <laughs> Isn't that a sweet thought? Or you see them in the restaurant and you don't turn around and walk the other way. When you can walk right by them and it's not that you feel uh, something, it's that you, know, you now feel nothing. And that's not a bad place to be. Because you've said, I let them go, God's gonna handle it, I'm just gonna eat the popcorn, <laughs> he's gonna deal with this, and I'm gonna move on. I have let this thing go, and I'm trusting my heavenly Father. And he's saying when that catharos can happen in your heart, it brings about a purity, and it brings about a relationship that you'll have with your heavenly Father that you would not have before. They shall see God. Integrity, so important. Back in the first century, and I'm done with this, back in the first century, they developed a good housekeeping seal for consumers back in the day. And they did it because integrity in the marketplace was not something that was maintained. For example, if a person was selling um, pottery or porcelain uh, and the pottery had a crack in that, uh, they would melt wax oftentimes and fill in the cracks and then they'd repaint it and sell it as though the vessel had integrity as though it were whole. And you wouldn't know initially till you got home and you put some hot liquid in it, all of a sudden that wax starts giving way and you got a leaking vessel. And you say, they just took advantage of me. They, they, they just, they, they, they've sold me a vessel that has no integrity. So the consumers and the marketplace got together and they developed kind of that good housekeeping seal and they used two Latin words and the Latin words they used were sinecara, sinecara. So if you went in to buy uh, pottery or porcelain or furniture, you would look underneath it for that Latin phrase, sinecara, and it simply means without wax, without wax. So it means there's no wax in this product. This product is wholesome. This product has integrity. This product is worth the value. We're asking for it, and you'll be happy that you purchased it. So that was the, that was the good housekeeping seal for the first century. Did you know you and I still use that word today? When you write a letter and you sign your letter, have you ever signed your letter sincerely? Did you know that word means without wax? When you sign that letter, you sign sinecara, 
sincerely yours. You're meaning that everything I've just told you in this letter is true. Uh, My word is my bond. All that I've said is right. There's no wax. It is sinna cara, sincerely yours. So integrity is so important, and we ought to aspire to it every day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. As Isaiah said, it never returns empty. It always accomplishes the purpose that you sent it to accomplish. So I pray for my friends in the room and the hundreds and hundreds watching online that have heard the message and experienced the worship. We've rejoiced with the baptisms. I pray now, Lord, that we'll take something from the service that we can apply in our personal life, our home life, our business life, and even into our church life that will make us healthier, more wholesome people, a people of integrity. I pray you'll protect us and bless the families, bless the businesses represented here. Bless this church. Father, we're so grateful for all that you're doing, the opportunities before us to help hurting and broken people. Father, we pray for the resources we need. We pray for the people that we need. We pray that we'll always be a ministry that aspires to integrity. And finally, Lord, I pray if there's one in the room or one listening online who's never trusted you as their savior, that this might be the moment, that epiphany, where they swallow their pride, right? They stop in their tracks right where they are. And they pray a simple prayer like this and say, Lord Jesus, with everything I know about me, I now trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart, forgive my sin, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.